Welcome to Little Island Conversations, where we chat with entrepreneurs and change makers from around Atlantic Canada. I'm Holly Chisholm. And I'm Megan McCauley, and we are super excited to introduce our first guest of season one, Bob Pelt. Bob has spent his career supporting entrepreneurs across Atlantic Canada, but his heart lives in Cape Breton, which he calls home. He is known as the startup guy to talk to on Cape Breton Island and is passionate about growing the region. Bob is a veteran of the market research and consulting industry with experience in business development, project management, market research, strategic planning, operations, and sales. He currently works as the manager of Cape Breton with Invest Nova Scotia. Okay, so our first question is, why do you live in the region of Atlantic Canada that you live in? Um, great question. I, I think um, Cape Breton sort of tugs at you. Um, both my wife and I are from here. And we went away to, uh, we both went to university in Halifax and we bought our, after we finished, we bought our first house there and we were sort of ready to settle down and live elsewhere. But it just, it pulled at us and we wanted to come back to Cape Breton and um, we all of a sudden said, what are we waiting for? Let's just pull the pin and do it. And, and, and we did. And... You know, I think our families were both here and um, a, a few friends. You know, at that time, a lot of people were moving away um, for, for work. There wasn't much opportunity here. So it wasn't really a friend draw, but it was, you know, just the friendliness of the people, the beauty of the place, our families, just things that we love to do. Beaches, um, beaches, water stuff, skiing, recreational, uh, all sort of pulled at us to to want to get back this way that's awesome i live probably five minutes away from three different beaches yeah and i find like i have to remind myself like you don't have that everywhere perfect segue bob into what your favorite thing is to do in <laughs> yeah that's another another really good question i think even apart from the beach if i had to pick like one thing that i loved Atlantic Canada wide, it would have to be skiing mm -hmm. because we've got great ski hills all around uh, Atlantic Canada and I've been really fortunate to ski at, I think, all of them. Wow. I had a ski racer as a first son, <laughs> so we visited a lot of different ski hills and yeah, that that is probably, you know, traveling to them, not so much fun, but um, yeah, skiing would probably be my top activity. Yeah. Awesome. Like winter and summer, we have, yeah. we have yeah. everything. We really yeah. do. Yeah. We really do. So our next question is, what makes your community awesome? Well, I mean, all of the things we've been talking <laughs> about. You know, if I were to start from my house, I mean, in about 20 minutes, I can be at the ski hill. All kinds of different beaches, literally minutes away. I live on the water, so I'm actually... <laughs> it's not a great beach there, but, you know, the water is there. We sail and, you know, I, I can come home after work and in a half hour be out in the middle of the harbor on the boat. It's, it's just amazing and you can't, you don't have that kind of access to the great outdoors from many places around the world and, and you, you get that here and it's awesome. I think that was the selling point for us is like you don't have like a weekend lifestyle. So like... You know, a Saturday can be just as exciting as, like, a Tuesday night. Totally. Yeah. Um, because you have access and we have such close proximity to, like, all kinds of activities. Yeah. Yeah. Hiking, you know, hiking, biking. Uh, another big uh, activity for us is uh, 
biking on the former railroad, rail lines, like the rail to trail. Um, that's incredible, and it's a lot of, you know, a lot of fun. Would love to see more <laughs> abandoned rails converted to trails. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. I'll see that someday. But, um, yeah, it, there's just so much you can do literally minutes from home. Yeah. So can you kind of, we're going to switch gears a bit, and can you tell us a little bit more about, like, what you do for a living at Vets Nova Scotia? <laughs> sure. I, I, I have an amazing job. I get to work with uh, startup founders and people who are trying to create technology companies and essentially just help them figure it out. So they've got either an idea or they're building a product. How do they, um, how do, they do that quickly? And how do they how do you break it down so that it's achievable? So everything from whether it's building the product, raising the money to uh, build a team, you know, all of those things, and then at the same time, trying to build a, a community that is supportive for entrepreneurs and that also supports each other. You know, the, a community that's there when when times are tough, they'll. Uh, stick a hand out and help each other through those tough times. And there's nothing more exciting than working with people who are passionate about what they do. And there's never a dull day. Awesome. That's <laughs> incredible. That's amazing. Um, so that's what you do. But yeah. what do your friends and family think <laughs> that you do? <laughs> um, yeah, now that, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if a lot of my friends would really know... Some of them would know what I do because, you know, their kids are in tech companies, so they, they would they would know it. They probably would say that I help startups or uh, there'd be some would say, uh, I don't know, he works for government. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I would think most of them would at least know that I work in and around startups. Maybe. I don't know. You, you guys tell me. What would they, what would my friends say? What do you think? Well, I can say that I think your nephew told me that he does something with some type of companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I could see that. Yeah, companies, something. You do something. That's all yeah, that matters. Something. Yeah. 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 Um, so, how long have you been doing what you do? I've been doing this um, with. InnovaCorp slash Invest Nova Scotia, because we just went through, it's only been a couple of months since we joined with Nova Scotia Business Inc. to become Invest Nova Scotia. So um, it would be 18 years uh, this month, but I've, I've been working with startups for you know probably close to 25 years because I was in market research consulting before, uh, before this um, career. And did, did a lot of work then with um, helping young companies try to figure out market challenges. So what, um, again, market research would be helping them to identify uh, what customers are looking for. We call it customer discovery now, but back then it was just market research. Um, so I, I, about 25 years or so. Long time. And you still love it. <laughs> Amazingly. But it's the... Ultimately, it's the companies, right? It's the, I think the, um, it's the energy that the founders bring. Like they're all, everybody is so excited about what they're trying to get off, off the ground. Yeah. Uh, there are days where you know people have uh, setbacks, and it, it's, you know, 
startup life is a roller coaster for founders. And not so much now, but in my early days, I would be on that roller coaster with them. And, you know, <laughs> I get calls from somebody saying, you know, oh, I don't think I'm going to meet payroll this month. Uh, the, I would be up at night trying to figure out how do we, how do we, and I, yeah. like, I was part of that, so how do we figure this out? And I don't know if I've just gotten better at separating <laughs> me and them or uh, other factors have, you know, I, I don't get those types of calls anymore, but... Uh, yeah, in the early days, it was. I definitely felt to be a really a part of some of those early startups, and uh, you just you feel that passion and you feel that energy, and it's it it is it's exciting to be a part of. I think too, like you've been such a big part of growing the community that they there's probably other people for them to call now too. Yeah. Like there's a lot more peer that, support that with is, companies. Yeah. yeah, that that is true, and I I do see that. I definitely see. Uh, I mean, it's you know. Uh, you kind of feel like a proud papa sometimes when you see (laughs) groups of startups getting together or or founders you know that get together specifically to you know to have coffee and talk through challenges and uh, kind of just support one another and uh, that's really cool and and there's a lot more I think there's a lot more help in general now than there was you know 15 18 years ago um, which is also great for for the, for the community. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, that's super exciting. So our next question is, like, we always are looking at professional development, and yeah. you can never stop learning. So we want to become Bob Pell. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> so. Find some new goals. <laughs> <laughs> so can you share your best resource for professional development? I'm enrolled in a program online through an organization called Section 4. And um, it's section and the number 4.com. And it's a, uh, an amazing um, online resource. They kind of, they talk about it being like MBA style education, but condensed, compressed, and um, available online. And even I, have right now like a, a one-year membership that started last April and I mean it's evolved since then they cool. they've done the courses are amazing they've got a, a real variety of um, of offerings everything from you know how to be a great manager to business strategy to being a product manager uh, storytelling just exceptional courses by world-renowned leaders and uh, Early in the year, it, everything was um, sort of synchronous. You had to join uh, like a two-week long class and your lectures would happen. You'd have to join the live lecture. Uh, there'd be discussion groups with people who were taking the course from around the world. And you had to be there available during that particular time. And they even now, they've kind of evolved it so that you can do a lot of this uh, asynchronous, do it when you want. So uh, over the Christmas break, I, I did a couple of courses because I could just cool. blast through them in my Amazing. own time and it was uh, was pretty awesome. That's awesome. I think it's really good to see the types of resources that are like available online yeah. now. Yeah. I think that's yeah. really opened the door um, for professional development, yeah. especially in a more rural area. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Agree. Totally agree. So, 
I think this is going to be a tough one since I know you love what you do so much. But what would you be doing if you didn't have the job you have now? <laughs> wow. Um, that is a that's a super tough question um, because I do I do love what I do now, and I I don't know if I. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know if I can answer that question. I mean, I've, I've, had, I've had my own companies. Um, that, and when I look back at the companies that I've had, they've all kind of been in the consultancy area. So I don't know, maybe, I'd, maybe I would um, be in the consulting world somehow. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've had consulting, market research, um, Personal productivity and time management has been something that I've done as well and co-founded the first ad agency in Cape Breton, which was like very consulting oriented. I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and um, so probably, there, yeah, there probably would be a consultancy type of a role that I'd be doing if I weren't, I mean, or you not just a, cracked the code on career happiness. Yeah. And not a big switch. I mean, essentially what I'm doing now is kind of consulting with all these different yeah. startup founders, like really trying to help them identify that, that path forward, which is really, it's what I wanted to do. Like when I was growing up, uh, my, my dad was an entrepreneur and he had a, uh, a really trusted advisor who was a chartered accountant. And uh, uh, when when I finished high school, I said, yeah, I want to be a chartered accountant because I want to do what <laughs> he does. And then I got to school and like, got to university and took an accounting course and said, definitely, <laughs> definitely do not want to be an accountant. Um, but sort of took a different path through the marketing side of things and market research and um, really ended up sort of in the same place doing that. Um, hand-holding, guiding, consulting, and helping companies figure stuff out role that I sort of, you know, other kids want to be a fireman, and that, that's why I want to be something different. So here, here we are. Wow. That's really cool. That's incredible. Um, so we're going to switch gears again and talk about your industry. Yep. So what's a common myth about the industry that you're currently working in? Oh, my. Um, probably... Uh, probably the biggest myth is that um, entrepreneurship is easy. Um, you know, you, you get to be your own boss and you can um, do what you want when you want. And <laughs> there is nothing further from the truth because you are all of a sudden responsible for everything. Um, you don't have one boss. You have hundreds of bosses <laughs> who are customers. And uh, it's, it's really tough because you have to juggle um, so many things. And I think a close to me, a close second would that, and we see this a lot, is that people think that all you need is a great product, right? If you've got a killer product, you're going to succeed. And no, <laughs> that's part of it. But it takes so much more than to have a great product. I mean, relationships, uh, you've got you've to build. To build a company takes teamwork and it takes collaboration and, and you have to in the startup world that I'm in, you typically need to raise capital. And it's that's not getting lending from banks. That's like getting people to give you cash to invest in your company. And so you have to be able to tell a great story and convince them that what you're doing is 
uh, is worthwhile, that you've got the great team that's going to execute on that vision and then deliver what you say you're going to do. So, yeah, product is important, but there's so much more beyond that. Yeah. I think that's really true and I think sometimes you see something on like the shelf and you're like oh yeah they just but there's so much that goes into that yeah, yeah. yeah and you often don't think about it right like just like you said you see something really cool on a shelf somewhere and it's like oh that's a great product you know what's that company like mm -hmm, uh, yeah. and you often just don't have any idea what what it took to get that product on that shelf um, and and that's true whether it's like a local you know, local craft store or, you know, on the shelf at the superstore or Walmart, right? Like it's, it takes a lot of, a lot of effort and determination to, to get your product there. Yeah. So we know you've been in the space for a long time, Bob, and what has changed in your industry since you've started? <laughs> Pretty much everything. <laughs> and you know, that, that sounds kind of uh, cliche, but I, I think the it's been evolving. And, and it's been evolving um, really rapidly. And, you know, you throw something like um, COVID and a pandemic in the mix, and that really expedited how things have evolved as well. That I think if I, if I were to look now, compare now to, you know, 20 years ago when I kind of got my start here, I mean, the technology is now a lot deeper. I mean, we were really... the the internet was a thing, but it was still early days. Um, so it's technology is a lot deeper and it's impacting more and more sectors in different ways. Um, and that, you know, though that's probably, and, and I think as we, as we continue, we're seeing more and more of that. It's just getting technologies becoming more, more embedded in all sectors and all industries and, you know, you really, you can't escape it, really. So that's probably the the biggest, the biggest change is just the intensity of it. I always think back to when we worked together and we were running, it was Spark, and we had binders. And then yes. <laughs> the last year that I worked with you, and it was about a four-year period, um, you had gone completely paperless by then and we were emailing things and even in that short amount of time there was like such a change that happened yeah. in process and how things were you know delivered and expectations of companies so it things change really quickly yeah they really do they really do that's a good example actually you know to think even to think that you could actually go paperless yeah yeah I mean, who whoever would have thought that you could comfortably do that and not you know not regret it yeah like exactly. sort of embrace it and uh and work effectively that way yeah it's really it's interesting to see how that's evolving yeah yeah, yeah. definitely what challenges are your industry facing within your region i i don't know that the the i mean there's lots of challenges and i i don't know that they're specific to uh to the industry um, my industry alone, because I, I, I work in innovation, so I kind of cover um, a lot of industries, but I think the biggest ones right now that, I'm, that I see impacting the work that I do or that are impacting the companies are, are things that we're all facing, you know, challenges around healthcare and challenges around uh, availability of, of housing and, and 
Those two in particular, uh, I'm working with a lot of companies right now that are moving into Cape Breton to, to work here in the uh, ag tech and industrial biotech sectors. And sometimes they're, they can't attract people because people can't get a doctor or they can't, they can't find a place to live. And they literally, I've seen people come here, stay in a hotel for five weeks, and then move away because they can't find a place to live and they just don't have healthcare access. And that, you know, those are, those are big, those are big challenges. Um, So the labor force, immigration are are issues. And then even, I think, uh, a bigger, you know, I think there are solutions to them. And I think part of our challenge as a community right now is that we have we're, we're still stuck in this uh, mindset of we're a community in decline mm-hmm. and we haven't <laughs> we haven't yet flipped that to say oh how do we plan for growth like how do we what are the investments we need to be making to grow our community and and I, you know it's probably only been in the last year or two that we've actually made that switch so i get it but i think we as a as a community our our um, municipal and provincial and federal leaders need to kind of get with the program and make that switch quickly so that they can help to lead that change and help us help us uh, plan for a growth mindset rather than figuring out how we decline yeah <laughs> and it's an, like it's an important it's an important thing to do because I think if you know you, if if we still as a population if we're sort of thinking that oh this growth thing is just a bubble and you know we'll get past COVID and we'll get back to our decline um, people won't invest in things like housing and apartment buildings and stuff like that and and once we understand that, no, this is, we're going to keep growing. Uh, immigration is a part of our future now. It's going to continue. Um, it's not a bubble. That we're, going, we're on a path, an upward path. The, the quicker we realize that, the, the quicker we will kind of work ourselves out of some of these challenges. I think it's a hard mindset to get away from, like, as a community. Like, because you've always yeah. been in survival mode. And yeah, it is. And I think... Um, especially in Atlanta, Canada, it is sort of like a switch flipped where yeah. all of a sudden our population started going up and innovation is happening and there's a lot of interest in it and growth. So it it was a slow turning, but also had like massive growth at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It, it's uh, it is really funny. And like you say, it's like it's almost like um, we've been in decline for generations. So the fact that all of a sudden here we are, turned turned around, and we're going in a different direction. Yeah, that, like people aren't—they're um, not going to jump on that train right away. And but you know, I think they need some help to to recognize that. Oh, we are going in a different direction now, and let's let's get on that train. So I think you've kind of touched on this, but what's one thing you'd like to see happen in the region? <laughs> Uh, I think what we need right now, probably most of all, is a population growth, population growth strategy. Just again, it's 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 telling that story about the fact that we need like, growth is better than decline. Yeah, <laughs> and the potential is there. We've got people that want to move into the community. 
So what, what do we need to do as a community to support that? And how do we make sure we're getting the right people moving into the community to support the job growth that we need? I mean, we hear it everywhere that we don't have we don't have people in the construction trades to be able to build all that needs to get built here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we certainly in, in the sectors that I work in, we, we don't have we don't have the engineers. We don't have we don't have the people who understand industrial fermentation processes. The huge shortages in technical developer software development type jobs as well. And, you know, how do we how do we attract those people? How do we get them here? And if we had a strategy that we could all buy into and, you know, kind of wave that flag so that people see that there's opportunity, um, I think that would help immensely. Yeah, and help, like, keep them here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah help support them. And, and, you know, a strategy like that would then be interlinked with housing, healthcare, education, like all the things that people coming into community want. And it, it, I don't want to oversimplify it. I guess it sounds so basic, <laughs> right? That people basically, they, they want to work and they want to be able to have schools mm-hmm. and access to health care. And if if we can get those things right, you know, the sky's the limit, I think. Yeah, I agree 100%. So we're going to ask you to kind of look into the future and where do you see the entrepreneurship ecosystem in Atlanta, Canada in the next like five years? Crystal ball time. It, uh, we're on a pretty good trajectory right now. Um, I think, I think in the next five years, which will, it'll be here in the blink of an eye. That's the way <laughs> things have been going lately. But I think, I think it'll continue to grow. I do think we'll have more growth more maturity of companies i think we're we're starting to see that now as well and that'll be more visible because we'll see the companies raising more capital and you know something that i hope to see in our own community is uh, companies making exits Mm. you know um, getting acquired um, going public and we start to see the benefit of some of the some of that capital return coming to investors here because that's just going to, that then just spurs more and more interest in in investing and in growing companies and for people that are thinking about on, entrepreneurship to want to get into it because they get inspired by, wow, did you see that, that company made an exit and uh, the founder now has this really cool car. <laughs> um, and so I, I think we're going to see more and more of, of all of that. And again, you know, I think we'll see sectors um, growing and, uh, and maturing as well. It's exciting. I can't wait. It to is. I know. It's super it is. exciting. It's, it's very, very exciting. It's like, and I say this a lot, like Cape Breton is the place to be right now. Yeah. There's like a yeah. really different vibe. Things are changing. People are excited. So I can't wait to see what the next like five, ten plus years look yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, we're absolutely. having massive transformation. Yeah, yeah. So, what makes you get out of bed in the morning? Oh, it's uh, um, if it's not the dog, <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely working with uh, entrepreneurial founders. Like, there's, there's, it's just the energy that they bring, and it's exciting. No two days are the same. They, there's just different things happening all the time, and people are just so positive. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a great. You know, I, I compare <laughs> compare my job with, uh, you know, my wife is a, uh, a teacher at the community college and 
Yeah, she has she has some tough days because students aren't always positive, and um, that can be challenging. And you know, I can probably count the the negative days on one hand. Like mm-hmm. it's it, entrepreneurs are pretty positive group of people or individually even and uh, they love to share their experiences and just to, to be able to help them figure it out is uh, a lot of fun. It's exciting to be like part of things happening in the community yeah. too and I think you know your job is rewarding like that. Yep absolutely yeah no question. So what are you most proud of? <sighs> wow that's um that's a tough question. That is a it tough is. question. I, you know, my kids, of course, would be, you know, <laughs> on the home front. But from a from a professional perspective, I, I'd have to say the, the growth of the startup community and to see how supportive, how supportive it is. And uh, it's always that to me, that's one of the amazing things about the, the, the startup community here. And I don't know. I don't. I didn't really have an impact on it, but it's just one of those things. Like the companies have, I I feel that the companies have never felt that they compete with one another. Mm, yeah. And even though they compete for <laughs> uh, investment capital and they compete for talent, and you know they 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 are competing for things in different ways. They don't. They often aren't competing for the same customer, and as a result, they've never. They don't feel there's not a competitive spirit against yeah. them. So when somebody call somebody makes a call and says, "Hey, I'm having this issue. What you know? Can we grab a coffee and talk about it?" The answer is always, "Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's go." <laughs> yeah. I'm always amazed at that. That the community is just so supportive of of each other and. I'm proud of that, but it's not. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do it. It's just kind of. It's. It's there, but it. I think it's a reflect. It's. It's a reflection of uh, the values, the community values, and I, I hope that never. I hope it never goes away. I think we do have a very like supportive and collaborative community, and maybe like I just see it more in Cape Breton, but I feel like it's a cross Atlantic Canada thing. Yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, I, I think of some of the events that we've done uh, here, where companies have come in from across Atlantic Canada, and relationships have formed. You definitely see that, and and that would be among perhaps more competitive companies that are sort of yeah. uh, very similar companies, but. They, that that helping um, mentality is is still there. Like they they'll share experiences and uh, lessons that they've learned and pitfalls to avoid. You know they 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 are. It's just a very. It seems to be a very sharing community locally and in the broader Atlantic Canada. Yeah, definitely. So I think that kind of speaks to Bob. Um, have you had your I've made it moment? <laughs> Oh my, I, I've made it. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've had it yet. I think, I think I, I've been, when I got in, well, when I moved home to Cape Breton, um, and this, I'll back this up a bit. When I finished high school, everybody at that time was told, yeah, you have to, there's nothing here. You have to move away. And so, you know, I did. <laughs> I moved away for about 10 years and then came back. And, you know, I think when I moved back, I sort of became purpose-driven. And I, I kind of said, like, 
if I want to if I want to do something meaningful, I want to be able to make make a um, make the community a place where my kids and I didn't even have kids at the time, <laughs> but so that sort of put the time horizon on it, right? I I would love it for um, when I have kids when when it, when they get to that age when they finish high school that they have a choice that they could stay or leave, not that they were forced to leave. And, you know, I'm at that point in life right now where I've got three kids and my youngest are twins and they're in their first year of university right now. And uh, they have a choice. Like if they want to to stay here and work in in tech or uh, in a variety of industries, they have that choice. I don't take all the credit for that. Uh, I hope I I got the wheel turning a little bit and opened opened some doors and um, planted some seeds that allowed that to happen. And, and and certainly, you know, demographics have played a role in providing the opportunity that's here today. But uh, and I've been thinking about this. You know, we're with the sort of amalgamation that we're going through right now you you reflect on lots of things and that's one of the things that I've reflected on is wow I kind of that's kind of and I don't know if it's because my kids are at that age or because I'm at that point where I've said yeah I've you know to your question yeah I've done it you know (laughs) it's that aha moment but it's definitely I've had I've had opportunity to kind of pause and say I think um, I, yeah, I think that mission has been achieved, and uh, so yeah, I'm sort of now on the outlook for what's what's the next sort of big mission. Where are we headed yeah. next? Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of cool. Yeah, you know, I, I, but it's at the same time, it's sort of when when it's been your I, I don't I don't want to say lifelong mission, but like when you're purpose driven like that, yeah. and you come to the realization that. Okay, well that that's been fulfilled. Um, what's next? Yeah, and that's uh, that's where I'm at right now. Is sort of thinking about hmm, what is next. <laughs> I can't wait to see. I'm what's so excited. <laughs> what is the best advice you received in either your personal or career life? I've had lots of really good advice, but I, I think um, one of the ones that sort of stands out is that when when a door when one door closes, another one opens. Uh, sometimes you have to look to find where it's opened, but and that that's really held true. And that in in really difficult times, when you just all you think is that there are bad things happening, there's opportunity there as well, and you just have to know where to look for it. And that's been that's probably one of the stronger pieces of advice that I've gotten is that when you know when those doors are closing, look for the open doors because they sort of counteract um and i can you know i can point at different things all through life where looks like things are closing in but doors are opening everywhere that's great advice and i think has to be a big part of an entrepreneurial mindset yeah so absolutely really sort of probably speaks to why you love that absolutely <laughs> just on the topic of advice and it might be the same advice that you think is the best you received but what advice would you give to your 18 year old self Oh my goodness! I think be more confident. I I think, and I don't know if this is all the inexperience of all youth, or if it was just me. But I I just think, and it was probably just from not uh, not having experience or feeling insecure. 
but I, I think part of part of getting ahead and succeeding is really about just being confident. And uh, you know, you can you can be overconfident, but I think you can be underconfident as well. And I think when I was that age, I was probably underconfident and could have used a, a dose of confidence building, and it would have would have helped me a lot. I think um, in in school and in you know early uh, my early career path would have helped a lot. Uh, how how do you get there? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's uh, I don't know. I I think it's one of those things that you almost need to have a mentor or an advisor who just helps reinforce that you are good at things and that you know to find those bright spots to give you that confidence and uh, positive self esteem to help help you stand taller and shoulders back kind of thing and I, I th- that would have helped me and I and I can see you know in my own kids I could see that where they could a little bit of confidence would really could really help them do something or get something that they were working toward and wouldn't actually change what they're doing or how they're doing it but if they just felt more confident in their own ability it would really there would be a huge difference in the outcome yeah Sometimes like a little less painful to get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, not not like not major changes. Like just just a little, just a little more confidence can make a huge difference in all kinds of outcomes. And I think to to get there is not difficult, and it's it can just it can be achieved through conversation, even right. Like it's not like you need a big intervention or a. Certainly not a. It's not a, a a drug thing. It's just a. It's an experience thing, yeah. and it's uh, I think a conversation type thing yeah. that helps you gain confidence in your abilities. That's great advice. Yeah, that's actually that's amazing advice. Yeah. So, what's a fun fact about you that not many people <laughs> might know? Oh my. <laughs> Fun fact, I, I have a thing for VW Beetles. I don't know if there's some <laughs> people probably know about that one. I might be slightly addicted to Candy Crush. I don't know. <laughs> really? My, yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids know that one. I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah. I had an inkling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might have heard that from my f- kids. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty open book, so I, I don't know that there would be many... Um, uh, many surprises that that people wouldn't know. I mean, you know, skier, sailor, uh, love to travel, camping. Uh, I'm a good fire builder. Ooh, good to know. <laughs> Have you on a survival island? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I watch Survivor and think, oh man, these people. I, I've never, I've never tried. I'd love to try the flint, the flint mm. fire, or. Uh, I've wanted to try the rubbing sticks method, but I've just never, you know, unless you're in an actual survival, (laughs) you know, there's some things you just don't practice for, but (laughs) I'd love to try that sometime. That's awesome. (laughs) So our next question, I'm a big book fan, love reading. What's the best book you've read recently? I've read a really interesting book called Post-Corona. Okay. by Scott Galway, and he's actually the founder of Section 4 that I talked about earlier. And that was um, that was a really interesting book, and it was about how all of the things that were accelerated through the pandemic and like, what's, <laughs> what's going to stick around afterwards and, you know, what might sort of come back to 
what we all talked about as being normal. That that was a that was a really interesting read. Like it was, it was so it was so interesting. It was a quick read for me, and you know I'm not a voracious reader like you are, Megan. <laughs> I have to make time to read, but that one I couldn't put it down. It was really good, and I'm reading right now. I'm reading. It's the um, biography of uh, Robert Iger, who was the CEO of Disney. And he's sort of recounting his 15 years as CEO of Disney. And he's back there now, ironically, but I'm in the middle of that one right now. And it's, I'm really enjoying it. There's some really cool lessons, you know, of um, how when he moved into this massive corporation and became CEO, what are some of the things he wanted to change and how he sort of affected that change, which was really, it's really neat. Well, I know what I'm adding to my TBR pile. <laughs> Disney's so interesting because they were very focused on customer success before yeah. customer success was Even a buzzy term yeah. that it is today. Well, and when you know, one of the biggest um, things that that I've taken away from it as well is he has uh, when he took over a couple of the he 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 wanted to make some immediate changes to. I guess bring power back to the managers because they, they even then they were a global organization. They had, you know, movies and they had. They, one of the things he did was sort of concluded a deal with Pixar and Steve Jobs. And but they still they had parks in Europe and Asia and across the states. They had this um, sort of think tank in an office building in New York that made all of the big decisions, everything from pricing to new um, new rides, new things that they would put oh, in theme parks. Wow. And he kind of said, well, that's, that's actually wrong. We need to bring this back to the frontline managers of um, those organizations. And he affected that change immediately and allowed the, re- the folks in research would then support the people on the front lines right. and had an immediate impact on staff morale and energy because they felt like they were in the game again. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, it was like, oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> it lo- sounds like a small change, but it has but such huge. big impact. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely adding that. <laughs> yes. I can, I can lend it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're just going to kind of wrap up, Bob, but like, where can listeners find you online? LinkedIn and Twitter are where I'm most active. So those would be the places to find me. Uh, and it's all Bob Pelly. So Twitter is at Bob Pelly and LinkedIn is LinkedIn slash Bob Pelly. So easy to find. Easy yeah. to find. Easy. Yeah. Thanks, Bob, for coming to Little Island Conversations. Any final words before we wrap up no, today? Well, my absolute pleasure to be here. I, I love that you guys are doing this and I'm going to be, I won't probably won't listen to the first one. But <laughs> I definitely want to listen to uh, all of your podcasts and hear uh, what people you're speaking with. So thanks for having me. Thanks for supporting us. And we have one final question because I just love quirky things. And if you were a potato, Bob, what kind of potato (laughs) would you be? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think I would be a double-baked and salted potato. I I don't know if that has a name, but 
It's very specific. Yeah. It is very specific. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Well, thanks, Bob, for coming on. Thank you. So that is all for Little Island Conversations. We'll chat with all you listeners next week. And don't forget to follow us on socials at Little Island Conversations. And let us know who you would like to hear us chat with next. Where conversations are casual, but the ideas are big.